Leading Britain's conversation. You're listening to a podcast of The Steve Allen Show from LBC. Morning, everybody. Hope you're having a good weekend so far. I'm with you until seven this Saturday morning. After six, I'm in conversation. But first, it's the best of Steve Allen. My weekly roundup of some of the best bits from my early breakfast shows, starting with this. David Walliams show, it really isn't good. It really is. It's, it's not a case of it just isn't good. It's dated. And the problem is, and I don't know if it's live or if it's Memorex, because if it's live, they need to get the front pages of the papers up to do some topical gags, like they do in America. He's doing stuff that's like 12 hours out of date. We've already done it. All the stuff he did in his gags yesterday, I did at four o'clock in the blooming morning. In fact, it'd be a lot easier to listen to this programme and try and pick out the items which you think are going to be good. The rest of it is, is lame. So, And he's done the same old, same old. He's about as funny, to be honest with you, as sort of, I don't know, as an unfunny person. He might have been funny years ago. He's not funny now. You know, we've done the gay jokes, you know, chase me kind of thing. You know, him and Simon Cowell, all very exciting, very dull. We've also had, you know, I'm a lady and all this kind of thing. It's just not funny anymore, as the wife probably discovered as well, seeing as she packed her bags and disappeared off. And then yesterday, to add insult to injury, he brought his mother into the studio. Apparently recorded at 6pm. God, it's even more crap than I thought then. His mother was in there and he goes, oh, my mother's in the audience. Who cares? Who cares? Of course, she said the best thing that uh, must have been scripted. She kind of thought of it by herself, where he said, so, so did you like the show? And she said, well, well, we'll, we'll see. She said, of course, I prefer the news being on at this time. Well, everybody does. He's halved the audience. And how much does he get paid for it? Go on. Really want to be sick? I mean, I don't really have a, uh, have a problem with people's money, uh, you know, because that's what the, the company pay. 50 grand a show, 50,000 pounds a show. That's what the figure is that they banded around. So somebody somewhere must have seen it. 50,000 quid for that pile of garbage. Crikey, I'm not surprised people want the blooming news back. And next week you've got... Have you got next week? I think next week you've either got um, a northern comedian, that'll drive you mad, uh, or two unfunny people from Bake Off, Mel and Sue, whose lunchtime chat show on Channel 5 died on its proverbial years ago. It was, it was taken off, it was so bad. So you've got David Walliams, then, then you've got John Bishop from the 6th of the... T- There's 40 of these blooming shows, 40... Uh, on the, oh look, for my birthday as well, Jack Whitehall. See, he'll be fine because he's sort of young. Unfortunately, David Walliams is just old and past it. Gordon, Ra- oh, Anton Deckel, Anton Deck. Crikey. Gordon Ramsay is doing it. Mm, Scarlett Moffat. Scarlett Moffat is being let loose on a, on a show. She's only doing four days, thank God. And five, she's doing the whole week. Oh God. Uh, Emma Willis. She'll be fine on it. It depends who the guests are. It really does. And then Tom Jones. But, uh, you know, Scarlett Moffat. Somebody's having a, having a bit of a wee-wee take, aren't they, on this one? Scarlett Moffat. I mean, let's face it, I'm not sure she could read an auto-cue. I bet she's rehearsing like mad. Because once you've screwed it up once, they're going to be annihilated. But the audience has disappeared. I should imagine by the time you get to uh, Ant and Deck... See, the trouble is... Two people hosting a show like that. The, the, the problem is it's recorded at six o'clock. The stuff is, is out of date. You know, on all the American shows, they've got writers in the wings and they're writing up to the last minute that the show goes live. They do that and they're as topical as they possibly can be. They're watching all the news channels, everything. And it seems that most of the gags that were written for David Walliams were written in the last century. They're just new, new, news is like, you know, today it's news in an hour's time, it's fish and chip paper. And unfortunately, it's uh, it's killed him stone dead. 
He looks uncomfortable. He can't. He, he's trying to be sort of, you know, that mm, sort of genial chat show host, but he isn't that sort of person. That's not him. That's why he's never had a chat show before. There's a reason for it. Do you think he's been around this long, you know, without sort of bumping into a chat show? He has. They've never thought about him doing that. He tried doing his funny programme. That wasn't funny. You know, it's, it's just a bit disappointing. A bit disappointing. So uh, Scarlett Moffat, can't wait to see that one blow up. I really can't. And uh, John Bishop... Yeah, uh, uh, Jack Whitehall, I think it'd be fine. He'll just he'll just bounce on and have people on, and it'll all be sort of great fun and all that kind of stuff. That's I'm, I'm sure, that's exactly how it'll be. I'm sure the BBC have increased, says Leslie, their viewing figures for their 10 p.m. news. Now ITV have moved theirs to 10:30. Oh, but but I watched it the other day, and Tom Bradby. I'm sure he's very sweet and he knows the royal family. He's, he's well connected. It's just a bit weak. It's a bit weak. On ITV's one, yeah, I mean, t- t- Tom, Tom Bradby is just weak. He's not, he's not a strong presenter. He's a very good contributor, and I've known lots of very good contributors, but they don't make great, great presenters, and he's just a bit too soft for that. I'm looking for something a bit, uh, a bit hard, I think. Over on, uh, you know, they've always had an argument, haven't they? Excuse me. Apparently, Sky News staff have been told of a new show described as smart, polished and precise. Well, that's one thing. It wasn't. <laughs> Polished and precise with David Walliams, who had passed his sell-by day ages ago. Celebrity guests appearing over an eight-week period. I mean, to be honest with you, I mean, even even the celebrity guests have been a bit weak. You know, Kim Cattrall was on the one that I first saw. Well, I did her donkeys years ago. Nothing new to add on it at all. But to bring his mother on there, I'm surprised he doesn't bring the ex-wife on and the dog. And uh, and all the rest of it, which is good. Currently, the BBC's 10pm bulletin attracts around 4.1 million viewers. News at 10 is seen by 1.8 million. Uh, Sky's audience typically lower, with only about 104,000. God, there's more people listening now than there is to Sky's news. I'd love to see the budget for their news compared to the budget for this programme. It would be huge. And 104,000 people. I remember seeing a comedian coming on stage in Guildford and there weren't very many people in the audience. And his opening line was, if I'd known there'd be this few of you, you could have come back to my place. We could have done the show in the sitting room. And that's the same for Sky News. 104,000 who tune into the 10pm slot. Bloody hell. What a waste of money. 104,000. It's not worth bothering. Seriously, it's not worth bothering. I mean, apparently they're all pinning their hopes on Tom Bradby. Um, but it doesn't, I mean, you know, he might be, an, he's probably a really, really love guy, lovely guy, but he's not, uh, he's not good enough. It's like watching that dreadful Victoria Derbyshire programme. God knows what the budget is on that one. Dear Lord. I mean, they must be spending a fortune on taxis getting people there and back, but that's the BBC for you, always wasting your money. And it's always very inappropriate. I mean, they go, she'll do... Somebody says the corporation was not worried by Sky's news bulletin. Sky will do extremely well to even get 100,000 viewers. But it will be very well produced. Well, it will be. It's very, very expensive. Very, very expensive. For 100,000 people, it's hardly worth bothering. You might as well just sort of have me play in clips for you and you get a bigger audience on here. Much bigger. This is LBC with Steve Allen. Here's what you're supposed to do every day at home. Make the bed. Come on, who doesn't? Oh, I bet loads of you just leave the bed there. You're supposed to at least, you know, straighten out the bottom sheet, fold over the duvet so that the bed gets an airing, shake out the pillow. No, obviously not. Clean the toilet bowl. Every day. No, not every day. Uh, wipe down all the kitchen surfaces. No. Washing up. Yeah, OK, we're good on that. OK, weekly, wash the bed linen and the towels. 
That's a no. Um, uh, dust household surfaces? No. Oh, God. Clean the bathroom? Yeah, OK. Monthly? Wash the windows? No. Vacu- it's not me. It's the producer. Vacuum under the furniture? No. Wash the doormats? No. Clean the dishwasher? Don't have a dishwasher. Okay. Every three to six months. Here we go. We've had no's for most of this stuff. Vacuum the mattress. Yeah, vacuum the mattress. You've never heard of that, have you? That's to get rid of dust mites. Okay. Have you ever seen dust mites? You've never seen dust mites. Go online on Google, type in dust mites and image, and these are on your mattress. Okay. Scary they might look. Be, bearing in mind, these are the these are tiny, teeny, tiny things. There you go. That's what dust mites look like. And they're on your mattress. Whether you've got the cleanest mattress under the sun or you haven't, these things are there. They look like they could eat you, don't they? They're on your mattress. They're on the floor. They're everywhere. These are just dust mites. That's why you're supposed to hoover your mattress. I mean, there are, there are thousands of them, if, if not millions, because they're so tiny. And... Um, It lives in human habitation. What it feeds on is your skin, your dead skin. When you get into bed, if you sort of rub your arm, if you do it under a bright light, you can see that you get clouds of of dead skin. That's why you're supposed to exfoliate every so often. Exfoliation is very good for you. It gives you clean skin and uh, and then you can sort of shampoo and do all your your bits and pieces. But uh, dust mites. So you're supposed to vacuum your mattress. Clean your duvet and pillows every three to six months. No, what's that again? No, not just the covers, the whole thing. OK, no. Clean the fridge and the freezer? That's a no, OK. Clean the oven? Definitely not. No chance there. You do clean the oven. All right, OK. Yearly, clean the window frames? No. Deep in the upholstery? No. Empty the gutters? No. And wipe your light bulbs? No. Dear God in heaven... The gutters aren't your... Well, they are, really. Yes, you're a tenant, but, I mean, you're supposed to look after the place. Otherwise, you could have a flood inside. You know, if the gutters get blocked and then the rainwater comes off the roof and then it goes straight into the wall, before you know where you are, you've got damp inside. And that would be your... Then you'd have to move out while they had to re, re-damp proof. Uh, Michael says, uh, memory foam mattresses are dust mite proof. I shouldn't imagine the producer's got a memory foam mattress. No. Have you ever actually taken the, the sheet off the mattress to see what state the mattress is in? Is it, does it look all right? Oh, it's open. <laughs> so, so. In other words, not. Because when they do this four-in-a-bed programme, they literally strip the sheets off the mattresses. Some of them have got more stains on than you think it was possible to have. I mean, they really look disgusting. I've never even thought about it. Never thought about it. I do know in the Premier Inns, they, they change their mattresses every so often. Because I saw them doing it in Twickenham. All these mattresses arrived. And, and somebody said, that they actually change them every so often? What do they do with the old ones? What do they do? You check for bed bugs. Oh, right. You check for bed bugs. Well, you don't check at home, so how would you know what you're looking for? I had to show you what, what dust... Bed bugs are exactly the same as dust mites. They look the same. Yeah. You start doing that in hotels, do you? Lord. Oh, right. Because you got caught out. What, they sort of pinned you, a gang of them pinned you to the bed and go, quick, and carried you out of the room on top of their... Sh- 40 bites. Yeah. Well, it could have been anything, couldn't it, really? Might Might not have been that. It could have been just whoever you were with biting you, you know. You have to get used to that kind of thing as you get a little bit older. But uh, you can always spot them. They're, they're just little red marks because they just want a little bit of your blood. 
And as I say, better than being gang, uh, sort of um, mugged by a gang of field mice, isn't it, really, as they carry you out of a hotel bedroom. Quick, we've got him. Yeah, woo. Things like that. This is LBC with Steve Allen. There's a headline in one of the papers today that says, Harry and Meghan in Love Trek, pair set for Aid Walk. And I thought, oh, that's exciting. What, what boring non-entity can this be? And it turns out Meghan Markle is set to walk hundreds of miles to show how much she loves him. This, of course, is a blatant lie. She's neither signed up to anything or is committed to doing anything. Kensington Palace will not comment at all uh, as to whether or not he'll be involved in this trek. And this trek here uh, is 1,200 miles in aid of walking with the wounded charity. Insiders say the Prince hopes Suits Telly star Meghan will join him. Well, he's not even confirmed doing it. So, again, you know, it's just a pile of old rubbish, isn't it, surrounding these, uh, these poor people. Uh, they're going to uh, take in all sites, including the Grand Canyon and Yellowstone National Park. A royal source said it would be a great coup if Meghan joined in too. Well, who's released that pile of rubbish? A great coup. Now she's American, everybody's hoping she will get involved. What's that got to do with it? It's got nothing to do with it at all. Well, so he walks with his girlfriend and nobody can actually confirm. She's not been confirmed to do it at all. Uh, Harry's been supporting the charity since it was set up, and then Kensington Palace refused to comment on it. Can't people answer questions? I'm just taking my shoes off. Can't people answer questions now? I'm sorry, it's like, you know, Cheryl, Cheryl Spag, what's it? You know, sorry, are you pregnant? Uh, Cheryl? <sighs> Blow through her ears. Seriously, I mean, it's, it's just empty vessel, isn't it, poor soul? Never mind, once she has Babby, uh, she'll be listening to this programme all the time. She won't want to go anywhere else. Uh, Matt LeBlanc has told BBC bosses he's planning to retire. Thank God for that. Do us a favour, go back to America. Can't we find anybody to present this programme? Oh, yes, we can. The three original people who presented it, you can bring back. You can eat humble pie, BBC. You don't mind somebody presenting one of your programmes who's egged the Queen, of all people, and yet you fire a presenter because he's sort of laid into a producer. Would you not think maybe the Queen was somewhat higher? You know, in the scheme of things. So somebody egging the Queen and admitting it would be off the television so fast. And yet now we've got television presenters on the BBC Breakfast Line with tattoos on the back of their necks. Don't ask me why it's called a tramp stamp. I've got no idea. I just know that they are. And I'm ashamed to admit that I even know that. So uh, so the Harry and Meghan in love trek won't happen. OK, you can guarantee it won't happen. Because uh, Harry, obviously... I mean, he can't be seeing her that often. It must costing her a fortune. Can't he fly over there and go and do something? Stop being a bit of a wuss, Harry. And also, she's more popular at parties. Hey, everybody wants to talk to Meghan. You know, kind of thing. It's like whenever uh, William was at, at school, they all wanted to bring him down in the scrum uh, so they could say that they'd brought down the future King of England. You know, that was the fun thing. Whereas with Harry, I mean, he pulls his own trousers down, doesn't he, in Vegas? He'd, it kind of defeats the object, really. So Matt LeBlanc could be, could be quitting. Good. Good. Don't care. No, I'm really. I'm seriously don't care. Actually. Steve Allen on LBC. I need a slurp of coffee for this one. Let me tell you, because this one riled me no end this morning. And it's the story of the two drug mules from Peru. You know the uh, the lying old bags who turned up with a million and a half pounds worth of cocaine. Oh, we were held at gunpoint. No, you weren't. You lying old tarts. You really weren't. And uh, the police didn't believe them either. Uh, they were recruited in a bar. They were getting paid for it. They'd have flooded the market with a million and a half pounds worth, which probably could have killed people. You know, you can't tell. And they go to prison. Oh, life is so awful over here. Lying pair of bags again. 
One of them was running the uh, the beauty salon in the prison. There was no thrown into prison cells and you feared for your life and all the rest of it. That was just a load of old codswallop that obviously used to lying. So anyway, they come out of prison. We end up with them again. And I don't think they're in prison. I think they're out sort of flaunting themselves around like, we are the drug mules. They've made the bizarre column in the sun today. Shame on the bizarre column for putting these pair of crooks in the thing. The Peru 2, Michaela McCollum and Melissa Reed, crooks of the First Order, are in talks to star in the next series of the Channel 5 show. The ex-convicts, both 24, are in advanced talks for the show. A source said, Michaela's made no secret of her dream to become a reality TV star. Oh, dear God in heaven. I mean, I'm sorry, they're drug smugglers. They didn't serve long enough in prison. Uh, she spent six months trying to build her profile as part of her bid to get her name out there and return to screens. Yeah, she wants to be sort of not on the news, but making the news, but for, for all the right reasons. I'm sorry, drug smugglers. Simple as that, drug smugglers. Pfft. Shouldn't be allowed anywhere near television. Um, Jim says, if they have approached the two drug mules to appear on their show, then quite clearly all morality has gone out the window. I would think so, yes. I'm hoping it's a joke story. I had to check the date to make sure it wasn't the 1st of uh, April, but it isn't. And, um, and uh, John the Cabby says they, they should change the rules so nobody gets voted out for at least 20 years. That would be a good one. i go for that one. I think that's appalling, don't you? That two people who could have got away with it, but luckily they were caught, a pair of old crooks they were, a uh, million and a half pounds worth, they didn't suffer in prison at all. We saw that when they came out and gave interviews. That made me physically ill to start with. These people are crooks, they haven't served their, their proper time. They should have to serve proper time. And so all of a sudden they can start earning a fee for being a celebrity. Well, I tell you what, I might start drug dealing myself, ladies and gentlemen. Steve Allen's Drug Emporium. Come on. Or failing that, you know, I'll just shoot the producer. And when I, I know, and it's only a joke. It's only a joke. But that, that would then make me famous. Because they'd be going... Oh, dear. But I mean, but it's sort of... It's a, can you imagine, though? It would be really bizarre, wouldn't it? It's like that newsreader when they made that film of the woman who read her own death on air and she shot herself on air and then became famous and they turned it into a film which we talked about on uh, on LBC on In Conversation and if I did something like that they'd be going but he seemed so normal well ish you know and then all of a sudden the, and the producer's going he's always had it in for me he's always had it in for me you know infamy infamy they, anyway and um, the film is Christine that's right thank you and so it's it's a case of you do something that's so out of the ordinary and then you become famous and I go I don't know what took over. I had two raspberries, a sip of coffee, red went over my eyes and I had to produce my uh, my uh, catapult and I aimed through the glass and unfortunately missed him, bounced back to me and I've got concussion. And I now don't know who I am. And they'll go, you're going on Big Brother. I'm going, what's Big Brother? And they go, oh, it's a television programme. Is it? What's television? You know, television in the corner. Oh, scary monster. I don't want to go on television in a corner. That eats people. I've seen it. I've looked on it. There's people inside. Lots of little people. And, and they've been eaten by the box in the corner. And before you know where you are, you, you become like David Icke. You become famous for being stupid. Steve Allen on LBC. The other thing that I predicted yesterday, and I was proven right yet again, was they bring in serious... Rules about using your phone behind the wheel of your car. And in fact, the uh, the laws are even more draconian than you think they are. You think that if you're caught on your telephone, then it's going to be six penalty points and a £200 fine. If you're a new driver, you could lose your licence. 
you're ending up going back to a provisional licence. You have to start all over again. And uh, and you would have thought this would have been a deterrent. Oh, no, 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 no. No, they caught loads of people yesterday. I laughed and laughed and laughed. You know, and they all do the same thing. Oh, sorry, I, I was just... What would one man say? He came up with, I thought, what sounded like a feasible excuse. Oh, I was just sort of testing. I didn't think... I mean, I wasn't actually talking on the phone. I was just checking a message. You picked your phone up, buffoon. Picking the phone up means you've committed the offence. And the offence is that you've used your phone at the wheel. You've picked it up. You've helped. Why did you pick it up? I've said before, do not pick up the telephone at the wheel of the car. The action of picking it up means that you're going to be nicked. And so they were yesterday. One of them was even a journalist. One of them was a journalist. What an idiot. What a complete and utter idiot. Because he actually picked up the telephone and they go, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You should not touch that phone. My advice would be, if you're going on a journey and you're so poor that you can afford to drive a car, but you can't afford a hands-free kit. And we found them yesterday online. 20 quid, less than 20 quid for a hands-free kit. It's as simple as that. It's not difficult. You know, just go out there and buy one. And so what they're doing here, I mean, uh, so from, from yesterday, if you use your phone at the wheel, you get fined 200 quid, should be 1,000, and six points put on your licence. So if you've already got... If, if, if you're a new driver, for example, six points is your maximum before they take away your licence in your first two years. So journalists, keen to explain the situation to viewers and readers, set off to cover the new rules at Thames Valley Police organised press event. However, one allegedly got caught using their phone whilst at the wheel and faced the new penalty whilst on the way to cover it. I mean, dear me. Eagle-eyed journalist Dominic Reynolds from Five News took a photograph of the incident, writing on Twitter, Breaking Irony News. A journalist driving here to cover phone stroke driving crackdown had just been busted. £200, six points. I mean, what an idiot. What an idiot. I mean, that's just, you know, so in other words, you know, many thought the tweet seemed too good to be true, uh, but the news channel has confirmed it happened in its post. And uh, Mr Reynolds also replied to... Uh, people on Twitter writing, it did indeed happen. I mean, they don't come any more dumb than that, do they? They don't come any more dumb than that one. But just remember, if you're a new driver, you only need six penalty points to be taken off the road. So if you're stupid enough and dumb enough and young enough, you're going to be off the road and you start from the base of zero again. So uh, you you can lose your licence completely. They'll, They'll have you off the road. It's as simple as that. You know, you have to be very, very careful. I mean, the people were pulling people... Uh, sorry, the police were pulling people off the A415 using plainclothes police spotters to indicate to uniformed officers further down the road. Because that's what it is, because you're going down the road and you might be on your phone. OK, hypothetical situation. Not for me, but probably for you if you're a journalist. And you, you're on the telephone and then you see ahead of you maybe some blue flashing lights or something like that. So you quickly you put the phone down. You've been seen already. You've been seen by a spotter. The spotter, like I told you, that traffic cop on his motorbike, nicked this cyclist, motorcyclist, on his telephone. And so Thames Valley Police told the uh, the Telegraph they did a mobile phone check this morning. Several members of the media were invited. That was at Ox Street, Abingdon. They stopped 16 people in total, five for not wearing a seatbelt, and 11 for using their mobile phones, including two new drivers. They say it's not our policy to confirm the occupation, but one of them was a journalist, OK? I mean, you'd have thought... So they stopped 16 people... And five of them were not wearing seatbelts. Eleven of them, eleven, 
but were actually stopped from using their mobile phones. I mean, it's just, you can't believe the dumbness of these people. And so they've, they've got a, a thing here with a scooter rider catching a woman looking at the mobile whilst driving. I'm sorry, did you not hear the radio, Dumbo? Did you not listen? Did you not read? It's been on every single bit of media. I can't think of any media, you know, that's not been covered apart from the Tufty Club and the Oval Teenies. But the rest of the world actually heard that you're not to use your phone at the wheel. I mean, I would literally have them off immediately. I would absolutely have them off immediately. I would take take the car away from them. It's as simple as that. You're either going to learn this or you're not going to learn it. Leading Britain's conversation. LBC with Steve Allen. And we just got news in, just breaking. La La Land wins Best Picture. God, at least it won something. Is that its first? Emma Stone got Best Actress. It's got a few now, but not, not the 14 that it was up. Oh, dear. So who's actually doing best at the moment in the Oscars? Who have we got? Well, the producer fans are... It is La La Land, is it? Oh, well, somebody will be happy somewhere. I'll probably buy it on uh, on DVD, but I just don't want to sit in a cinema and watch it. I don't mind watching Logan, because I thought that was, uh, that was very good. Although, to be brutally honest with you, it was a fairly brutal film. But uh, Patrick Stewart was on fine form. Absolutely fine. If you haven't heard the interview, go and download it from the LBC website, because it's, it's well worth it. He's really on good form. He laughs. He's, he's very, very happy. He's in a very good place at the moment. Russell Howard was just fantastic. And uh, this week, one of the guests is going to be the comedian Mark Thomas, uh, who, again, was absolutely brilliant. I wasn't sure about Mark Thomas. And I say when I say I wasn't sure, because he's very political. And yet the first half of the interview is him talking politics. I ask him about Corbyn, ask him about his roots and stuff like that. He was such a nice man. Seriously, he walked out of here and everybody said, how do you get on with Mark Thomas? I said, brilliantly. Brilliantly. I, I never not get on with people. I sometimes worry if it's somebody I've not spoken to before I don't know anything about, but I'll always find a link. And uh, and I did find a link earlier on, actually, with, with an actor who met his wife on a bus in Twickenham. In Twickenham. So uh, that was quite exciting. I, I thought I shall mention that a little bit later on. Oh, they've just changed their mind. Moonlight wins Best Picture Oscar. So it's now not La La Land. Oh, so La La Land has won seven Oscars. Moonlight's won two. That's changed as well, has it? Oh, right. So Moonlight now wins Best Picture Oscar. God, they can't get it right, honestly. Who's typing this stuff up for them? Ridiculous. Uh, And also Manchester by the Sea, which I don't know anything about, actually. I don't know anything about that one. But La La's got six Oscars, but Moonlight gets Best Picture Oscar. Well, that's good. I'm pleased about that. Listen, it it was well worth it. Well, well worth it. So congratulations to uh, to everybody at Moonlight. They'll be so thrilled. It was only a little film. It was only a little film. It wasn't sort of big major film, but it was just it was somebody's real life. It was somebody's story. And then the Oscars announced the wrong winner. Can you imagine how embarrassing that is? Oh, dear. Imagine it's almost as bad as somebody standing there and going and the best film goes to Ben-Hur. And they go, oh, how can they announce the wrong winner? So it's Moonlight. We're definitely sure it's Moonlight. Thank goodness for that. So Moonlight gets the Best Picture Oscar. And so it blooming well should. It's a very good film. Young, poor, black and gay. You don't get much, much better than that, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, here we go. This is the Oscars disaster. This is where they just, they can't get it right. This is when they realise they've actually got it wrong quickly. Moonlight, you guys won Best Picture. This is not a joke. I'm afraid they read the wrong thing. 
This is not a joke. Moonlight has won Best Picture. How did they get it wrong? Moonlight, Best Picture. How did they get it wrong? How could they read out the wrong film? Oh, they gave them the wrong card. Right, so they had La La Land. But could they not read? It didn't say Best Picture on there. I mean, it's, it's quite clear. It says, here we go, Moonlight. And then it's got blah, 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 Adele, uh, Didi and Jeremy Kleiner Production, producer. I mean, sure. Oh, it probably doesn't say anything else, does it? It's ridiculous, honestly. Fancy making a mistake like that. What a disaster. But don't worry. You get it, uh, you get it here first and accurately. We don't, we don't make mistakes. There's people up on stage, people who shouldn't be there, and he's going, no, there's no, no joke, no joke. Moonlight wins Best Picture. Warren Beatty's standing there looking like he's wandered in. I don't know what's going on. I've got no idea. And uh, I don't know how old Warren Beatty is now, but um, everybody's standing up in the audience. And then he, I, I got the wrong thing. Somebody gave me the wrong thing. I don't know what happened to the wrong thing. The other guy's going, no, I'm, no, I'm not. You know, this is, look. And he takes it out and he goes, look, moonlight. <laughs> we all go, oh, thank God for that. So uh, Warren Beatty, is, is he 79? Good Lord above. I remember him when he was a sex symbol. I remember him when he was a sex symbol. Warren Beatty. Famous for a film shampoo. Shirley MacLaine is his uh, sister. He's the the brother of Sherman. 70? Is he really 79? Blimey, looks... She's 82! She, good God! That is amazing. That is amazing. Well, I tell you, there must be something in the air out there. It's probably called cosmetic surgery. But uh, she's always been very fit, Shirley MacLaine. I've always been a big, big fan of Shirley MacLaine because she calls herself a gypsy because she's a dancer. And um, she's she's brilliant. I mean, she was. I thought she was great in Steel Magnolias as Weasel. I thought she was fantastic. If you haven't seen Steel Magnolias, get it out today. Watch it. It's worth it. Uh, Ron says, is announcing the wrong Oscar winner fake news? Um, uh, Start me on fake news. This is LBC with Steve Allen. I'd tell you what today is, and I'd completely forgotten. Completely forgotten. Look, see you, Buck. What is it? It's St David's Day. So people will be going around wearing the traditional leek. And uh, so to all Welsh people listening, happy St David's Day. Hope you have a night. So not only do you get the first of the month, you get St David's Day as well. It's wonderful. Steve, you have to melt Welsh hearts and say happy St David's Day in Welsh, says John. OK, happy St David's Day. Uh, it's actually... Uh, oh, I'm going to be uh, I'm going to be rubbish at this. I mean, I'm, t- I'm almost going to embarrass myself because, as you know, my Welsh pronunciation is chronically awful. Didgwil dwy hapus. Told you'd be rubbish. Told you be. There was Welsh people everywhere going. What's he saying? I think he's just told us all basically to wear off. I think. <laughs> I don't think he said because we never know. What is, so? What is is that? Is that Happy St David's Day? Oh God! It probably means something dreadful. That's probably something terribly rude. Welsh people everywhere are offended. But it's interesting. So, I mean, to, to Welsh people everywhere, you know, you know in my heart to hearts, I have your best interests. Because this programme goes out to everybody. I don't mind if you're Welsh, Bangladesh, German, French, Chinese. I, it, it really doesn't matter. I, say, I, I, say, I can do Happy New Year in Chinese, but I just can't do anything in Welsh. Can't help it. It's just one of those things. So if I just say Happy St David's Day, I don't know whether or not you get any... Any special food for St David's Day? I know what the Chinese get and uh, and everybody else, but like we have Pancake Day for Shrove Tuesday. What do you get for St David's Day? Do you get something something nice? Is it leeks and tatties or something? I don't know. 
If you can let me know, I'd be very grateful. I don't want to sit here in my ignorance saying, I'm so sorry, I don't know what, don't know what you eat, actually. I know that St David's Day, I mean, traditions, I mean, it's not a national holiday in the UK, but you have to wear, it's either daffodils or leeks, OK, both symbols of, of Wales. And he's, uh, the way we go, oh, look, oh, look, how exciting. You can eat traditional Welsh food, which is Welsh rarebit. And call, I don't know what call is, C-A-W-L. And uh, places like uh, Swansea and Aberystwyth put on parades throughout the day. And a number of cities and towns. How lovely. Well, good for you. A lot of people wear traditional, tra- traditional dress. I feel like getting my coracle out today and having a little paddle through the building. I like that, actually. It's a nice idea. So, women wearing traditional Welsh dress. See, we don't have anything in England. I feel very disappointed. Cheesy leek and mustard soup and Welsh cakes from the heart of... Oh, and, and barabrith. Roast leg of lamb and garlic and rosemary. Oh, that looks nice. Real potato leek soup. Oh, I love potato and leek soup. Oh, it's de- that does look like... My- it is actually chunks of, um, of potato. Potato and leek soup is delicious. It really is. I like any of those things there. Any of those things. Roast leg of lamb. I would love to eat, but I can't because it makes me sick. But uh, I quite like barabrith, which is a, a tea bread. Uh, its name means speckled bread. Usually made with a yeast dough by bakers, but this uh, particular recipe doesn't use yeast and uses a quick mix method at home. You soak the dried fruit in tea. It makes it very juicy and produces a moist loaf with good keeping. How lovely. Oh, I used to love malt loaf. Malt loaf. Cool. Blimey, honestly. Things from your childhood. Please don't write in with things from your childhood. It's not that sort of programme. I know other programmes might be desperately going for it, but uh, not for me. But I do need to know what it is in, in Welsh. If you can do it phonetically. On second thoughts, maybe not, because we might be end up saying something absolutely atrocious. I don't want to get myself into trouble again. Um, uh, somebody says, uh, Steve, <laughs> I can't do this because it might not say what I think it says. Wales forever, my love, and fair hot buttered Welsh cakes. If it, they do have them. I saw them yesterday. Cumru and Beth me cariad. Oh, God, I hope that's right. Oh, I've got such a horrible feeling. Horrible feeling. I, can't, I don't repeat it again in case I'm just repeating something which is grossly offensive. Because I've had that before. Somebody sent me something in Romanian once. And I sort of, I half did it and somebody said, woo, stop. Uh, oh, it's why. It's Kumru Ambith Mikariad. Kumri. Kumri, is it? Oh, it's pronounced Kumri, is it? Why would it pronounce Kumri when it's Kumru? All right. Cumbri ambith me cariad. Looksie, Wales me love forever. Not even grammatically correct. Wales me love. Shouldn't it be Wales my love forever? Perhaps not. Who knows? Steve Allen on LBC. They've now got this thing in, in the square. I haven't told the producer this one. We now can't drive into the square. The, uh, the Jobsworths uh, are so rude and offensive. I'm going to have to contact the leader of Westminster Council to see if I can get them fired. Uh, because the car pulls up. We've been coming in here every day for the past pff, 12 years. Seriously, every day you just drive in the square. The police are standing there. It's all perfectly legal. All of a sudden, the bozos manning the barrier have decided to put the uh, the bollards up. And that's one of my favourite words, as you can imagine. So we do it the day before yesterday, and we do it yesterday. And uh, the driver pushes the thing, delivering to... He always says delivering to Capital Radio, because they might have heard of that. And, um, sorry, do you have accreditation? Said the bloke the other day. <laughs> What a fool. Accreditation for what? For a, um, for a, a private hire vehicle, which is 
got its own accreditation. It's got a, it's got a sticker on it. They can't be that stupid, surely. Well, obviously they are. And uh, and then it's supposed to sort of... It just clicked off. So the driver pushed the thing again. He said, I'm, I'm delivering to Capital Radio. Uh, do you have permission to do that? What? They're really thick, honestly. Really thick bows. And um, so, so we tried it again yesterday. Exactly the same yesterday. So we came in the other side. It's <laughs> <laughs> funny, actually, because I was talking to another one of our presenters in the building. She's marginally better known than I am. But anyway, and she said exactly the same thing. Had to get out of the car and walk. Easier to say you're going to the Hampshire Hotel, isn't it? Or failing that, I'm disabled. What do you want me to do? Slide the person along on their stomach, you know? Because they can't walk that far. They're such jobs worth. Such jobs worth. Reminds me almost of King's Cross Station all over again. Would you like to move over there? No! Don't want to move over there, thank you very much indeed. Steve Allen on LBC. Yesterday the weather was filthy. Filthy. So I bought some plums. And I had one of them yesterday, and I thought, oh, they're quite nice, but I can't work out if they're good for me. I don't know if plums are good for me or they're bad for me, but I do know that juicing is bad for you, makes you fat. And the reason is, it's full of sugar. So no matter what they show you on the television, you know, and you put in some apple and this and this, is this, this, whatever it is, they've got Nutra bullets and all kinds of different... And I keep thinking, perhaps I should buy one. You know, because I'm... And then I think, no, juice is bad for me. Juice, bad, bad. Don't, don't drink juice. It's full of blooming fructose. So they say, you put in this, and you put the stalks in and everything else, because, like, stalks are good for you. And then they say, you put in a bit of ginger and a bit of that, and then you whiz it up and it makes a tasty drink. Yeah, then you've got to wash the blooming thing. And so all the people who say, I've bought a juicer, Steve, I love it. I go, you're not losing weight. You won't lose weight on juice. It's full of sugars. Full of sugars. So if you put grapes in there, and they go, and put in some flaxseed. Who's got flaxseed? Come on, put your hands up. Nobody. Nobody this morning's got flaxseed. Why? Because you just don't keep it in. And they go, and put in some sesame seeds and do that. Rubbish! Rubbish! You end up spending a small fortune stocking your cupboard up with a load of old tat. And you're under the, under the influence that you're going to lose weight. You're not. So, but you have to, you can put everything in there. It's the stalks from the grapes and, you know, the, the little stalks that come off the end of strawberries and all that kind of stuff. I'm thinking, I don't know. Is it worth it? Why bother going on a diet? Why not be happy being fat? Why not be happy being fat? You know, or slightly plump. I mean, yesterday, I don't know what I'd eaten, but I sort of, I did feel, you know, you get days, and you'll know this, ladies, you get days where you feel a bit bloated. Days where you think, oh, I really feel a bit, a little bit, couldn't eat anything. You feel like if you stuck a pin in the side of you, it would go, and you'd be like a balloon whizzing around the room. That's how I, I would think it would be. And so that's what I felt yesterday. And I hardly had anything to eat. Hardly had anything to eat. And uh, I was in bed early. And I slept like a top. Because I'm now of the opinion that the longer you spend in bed, the more time you want to spend in bed. So, uh, the biggest decision, Steve, says Danny, I have to make is red or brown sauce on my bacon sandwich. Yeah, you see, the trouble is, what, what, they always call that, don't they? When I used to go in the shop down over the road next to Charing Cross Station, in the morning, if I was going back to Embankment Tube Station, bit of exercise, walking down the hill, couldn't walk up it, but walk down it, and at the bottom there was a shop, it's not there now, uh, they used to sell bacon or sausage sandwiches. That's all they sold, bacon or sausage sandwiches or, you know, um, coffee or stuff like that. And I'd always have um, a large bacon baguette. And they always used to say red or brown sauce. They couldn't say... Daddy sauce or ketchup. It was always red sauce or brown sauce. And so I was assuming it wasn't really the proper... I thought it was the cheaper stuff. Cheaper end of the market. But I would always go there every day and have it because I thought it was quite nice. And I'd eat it on the underground. 
feeling really decadent because you know people are looking at you going, you're very common. Uh, because you sit there and so you try and eat discreetly, don't you? The moment you catch sight of somebody watching you eating, you kind of sort of push the baguette further into the bag. So you end up chewing paper for about two minutes until it gets to your stop. Uh, you cannot do sign language on the radio, Anna says. Oh, Anna, you so can. Look, I'm doing it to you now. There you go. Just for you. <laughs> Steve Allen on LBC. Daniela Westbrook is aiming to rebuild her life for about the 1500th time. I don't know why you're bothering, love. Seriously, you need to get some medical help. Get some help as quick as possible. Uh, she thinks a bigger bust will boost her confidence. Um, I don't know why you think this. Why would you think that? Are you delusional? Do you need to go and get some medical help? Get somebody to sort out your life. Because at the moment, you're, you're on a collision course and it's not looking very promising at all. Um, and so uh, fans, one of them wrote, don't ruin your body. I ruined my body getting those done. You're fine the way you are. You're gorgeous. Obviously a deluded person. There's no way you could ever call her gorgeous. Uh, the actress and reality TV star, well, she was never a very good actress and she certainly wasn't a reality star, um, has uh, endured a disastrous 2016, simply replied with a kiss. And then she started using cocaine again. You know, and you kind of think it's a bit of a waste of time trying to give you advice, isn't it? Because it goes in one ear and straight out the other side. As I say, if, if you don't do it for yourself, try and think about your children. They must be deeply embarrassed by the way that their mother is behaving. Having, having boobs is not going to make your self-esteem any different. I promise you, it's like if I had a bigger, you know, arms and muscles, and it's not going to change anything. You know, it's like, could I have a six-pack? No, because I'd look ridiculous, you know. Should I have emergency lipo? Well, I possibly could have liposuction, but it wouldn't actually make any difference, I don't think so. Uh, to anything, they say, oh, it'd be better for my self-esteem. Where'd you get this rubbish from? Where'd you get this rubbish from? Everybody's got low self-esteem. Nobody thinks they're perfect. Even models don't think they're perfect. I'm sure if you said to the Queen, you know, do you think you're perfect? She'd be going, good gracious, no. She wouldn't be. Nobody's perfect. I don't know anybody who's perfect or even remotely near perfect. It just takes a... You don't... You just never get to that stage. There's always something the matter. I know people who take pictures of themselves all the time because they're obviously deeply unhappy with the way that they look. And they look at pictures and go, oh, is that one... Oh, I don't know. Is that one better? I do it as well. Somebody takes a picture of me and says, show it to me. God, no, definitely not. Don't, don't print that one. Thank you very much indeed. I don't, I don't think I look like that. You've all got an image of what you look like. In the case of Danielle Westbrook, she just looks in the mirror and just probably bursts into tears, I should imagine. Because, you know, and having big... She's had her teeth done, her nose done. She's had everything done. And it's a waste of money. Uh, whether or not she's paying for it, I've got no idea. I assume not. I'm assuming that this would be sort of some freebie and it'll probably be for a ridiculous television programme. It's a bit like... Um, you know, Daniel Lloyd wanting um, a lie detector test on the Jeremy Kyle show, as opposed to not going to the police about her ex-husband, who she claims spat in her face and beat her up with a shoe and all sorts of things. Go to the police. Go to the police. Why are you wasting your time? Don't faff around with a silly old Jeremy Kyle show. That would be ridiculous. That would be absolutely ridiculous. Steve Allen on LBC. The other thing, uh, Sir Ken Dodd, how tickled I am. Unfortunately, he doesn't get the Queen or uh, or Charles. They were obviously busy doing jigsaws or something. They end up getting Prince William, who knights somebody. Uh, sorry? Where was the Queen? Was she busy? It's the Ken Dodd. He's 89. Come on. Bring out the big guns. Not blooming old useless bloke. The bloke who used to fly helicopter. Remember the royal family. And uh, goes around having photo opportunities. It's not the same, is it? You'd be so disappointed. You'd be so dis you get there and you go, who have we actually got? Harry. Oh, God. I don't think Harry's allowed to do it, is he? I don't think he's qualified enough. 
I don't think I've never seen Harry doing things like that. I'm sure it's a case of it just goes to Big Brother. So Hitler, poor old Harry is the Prince Margaret, Princess Margaret of the royal family. Never quite going to make it to sort of, you know, on the throne. So just becomes the poor relative. So tiddles around getting a bit tipsy and uh, and finds girly. Um, Princess Margaret found Boise's. And uh, she was out there, you know, enjoying herself, being a being a bit of a sort of, you know, a good time girl. Because she went out with all sorts of people that were sort of, you know, all over the press. In the days when princesses dressed up to go to the theatre, I mean, like really dressed up, Princess Margaret would go there with her sort of current beau. And she had a few of them. But uh, now you've got Harry, who's apparently off because he's, he's not got anything in the diary for ages. So he just goes off on holiday. He doesn't do anything. There's no such thing as hard work for Harry. You know, photo opportunity kicking a football around is not hard work, as far as I'm concerned. And uh, and he went off with his little beanie hat on. He's going to introduce Megan to his posse. Nice, isn't it? Can't wait for that one. Rivetingly dull. Um, Prince Harry can't do knighthoods, but he does have one himself. I don't, well, I think they just give them out, don't they? Don't they all become Knights of the Garter? I think you'll find the Knights of the Garter thing. So, in fact, all the royal family's got it, but they all dress up in what can only be described as camp drag and wander down the hill at Windsor Castle. And they, um, yeah, so Harry, wait a minute, let me have a quick check here. Harry's been knighted for services to the Sovereign. Harry, cup of tea. So here you go, Grandma, cup of tea. Oh, thank you. I'm going to knight you. They hand them out like dolly mixtures, don't they? So a personal award given by British monarchs for services to them. It was given privately. Shall we say... Harry, in your bedroom, in a jiffy bag, on the side table. Oh, thank you, Grandmama. So I can call myself Sir Harry. It'd be whatever you like. We're the royal family. I do like her, though. Services to the Sovereign. I mean, what garbage is that? What does that mean? That was June 2015. Oh, my God. Is that for getting your willy out in Vegas and showing people? Is that services to the Sovereign? I've never seen it for ages. It's very small. <laughs> I mean, it's just ridiculous. Yonah was given private. He's going to leave the army later after 10 years of service. Two tours of Afghanistan. My God, they over-egg the pudding, don't they? And then sort of, you know, William, uh, here's, here's William in a pair of Speedos. Slightly embarrassing. And, um, and then William sort of stops flying helicopters and just does nothing. No, just does nothing, really. But, uh, oh, he's also set up a charity. But, I mean... He doesn't run it. There's a, an army of people that run it. He just has to turn up for a few photo opportunities. Why do they make out that it's so difficult being a member of the royal family? Like the other day, we had people complaining, not surprised that poor old Danny Dyer has taken a downward turn because he's stressed out with the hours. What, like the same hours that everybody else on the programme's got to do? What do you think is just Danny Dyer doing the filming, writing the scripts, having to do his own makeup, make his own costume? No, load of old codswallop. He just turns up, puts on an outfit. That's yours there. Oh, I might thank you. F you. You know, and all that kind of stuff. And he goes out on the set and he goes, all right, get out of my pub. And they go, OK, cut. Um, you want to go and sit down, uh, Danny, try and rest, you know, for the next scene. Your daughter's coming over. We've decided to use her as the, as the substitute for the four-letter word. She can do them all by herself. She's got an entire repertoire. You come near, I'm going to rip your effing head off. I mean, <laughs> really? So anyway, they, so they, they've written him out of EastEnders by putting him in prison. But they must have filmed that before, mustn't they? This must all... You don't just go... Because he's been away in South Africa for a little while, but he, he's in prison in the pictures in the paper. It's probably just shots of him. But no, he's actually sitting in a prison cell. So they must have filmed this before he... They must have gone, can we stick you in a prison cell? What for, eh? What are you doing that for? Um, because we're... Oh, I'll rip your bloody head off. Who do you think you're talking to, you little so-and-so? 
<laughs> just imagine, can't you? Go, OK, OK, Danny, that's fine. Um, how about we have you skipping through a field of daffodils licking a lollipop? Would that be better for you? You can do sort of the gay side of it. I know. Your character goes gay and ends up with a bloke who's got the fish and chip shop. How about that one? You having some kind of laugh, mate? Stick me in prison, all right? And then I'll go on holiday for a little while to South Africa by myself. OK, if that's what you want to do. Oh, Prince Harry's turned up. Has he really? I'll rip his bloody head off as well. I'll tell you all the bloody charity kicking a football around. I'm Danny Dyer, right? I'm an hard man. Well, I'm not really. I'm quite a soft man, but I'm pretending to be hard. Not in all the pictures, but in some of them. And uh, so I know it's a cheap gag, but come on. I'm the best at this price at this time of the morning. I've got to be. I've got the spike. Those are all the highlights I've got time for this morning. Don't forget, I'm back live from five o'clock tomorrow morning and we'll be with you for the 4am spike all next week too. If you enjoyed this podcast, listen to Steve Allen live from 4am Monday to Friday and Saturday and Sunday from 5am.